Hello everybody and welcome back to High School Not So Much A Musical. Thank you for tuning in to part two of our two-part series with Kunal Kapila, the, one of the co-founders of the drone tech startup Comet Drones, along with three other co-founders and one of them, our very own co-host, Nitin Jaladanki. In this episode, we'll talk about an interesting story over a legal intellectual property battle and how we addressed it. For anyone coming in without listening to part one, Comet Drones is an online startup that aims to revolutionize the drone education industry by shifting the focus to high schoolers. More on how we came up with the idea and how we found our target market right after this. This is High School Not So Much A Musical, a podcast that takes you on a ride through the peaks and valleys of a high school journey. Here are your presenters, Nitin Jaladanki and Ayush Agarwal. So we've obviously talked about all of the good parts of Comet and the success that we had with re- with um, finding funding and everything like that. So one of the parts that we don't really talk about through any of the interviews that Kunal and I have done about Comet are like the bad parts of it. So after the incubator was done, we sort of had no deadlines to meet and we were a true startup at that point because there's nobody controlling us, telling us what to do. There was nobody giving us hard deadlines. There was no date that we had to pitch the ideas. There was nothing that was set into stone. And that was one of the difficult parts of being a high schooler and having your own startup. So Kunal, could you talk to us a little bit about the whole ordeal that we had after Comet Drones was done? I mean, after Core Zero was done, the problems that we ran into it, the team restructuring, the IP negotiations, all of that kind of stuff. And just tell them about some of the problems that we had after Comet Drones was done. Yeah. So, um, Nathan is completely right. Like when you're a high schooler and you know you're not given any deadlines on something, uh, you tend to procrastinate. Um, and especially when you have other uh, other strong commitments, um, it's very hard to work on something as demanding as a a startup, right? It's a whole company. So um, when co- when uh, quarter zero ended, we were um, you know tasked with you know building on with this this startup, and we were sort of pressured you know by the sense that okay, we just won this thing, uh, we we really need to take this to the next level. Um, but you know with that um essence of you know being in high school you know school is approaching um and you have no hard deadlines um you know and other other priorities are, are coming to to light you know as school is approaching as aforementioned um it really got difficult to manage um common drones along with the many other things um and with this came you know the the you know, typical like team conflict type of thing where okay like you know some people can't put in as much time as others right now uh you know what do we do um, and you know, it kind of it kind of crumbled down into more um, conflict-based matters, uh, which is you know obviously not ideal. Uh, you never really want that in a team situation, um, and it, it just became a very 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 difficult task um, when it came to the team, when it came to the common dr- when it came to common drones in general, um, and you know, kind of ended up with a couple people uh, leaving the venture and creating their own thing, um, and then Nathan and I staying with it. Um, and then yeah that that's really what it what it is at right the present right now um but yeah if if you want to add anything onto that then you can totally do so yeah so just to get a little bit more into the specifics i won't put out names and i won't put out other names i'll just refer to them as the other people in the team but after the whole thing was over the first thing that we realized was we don't know who created what and what was like indiv- like individually of the four people of the team what was created and who owned what that's one of the things that i would advise you to do when you are starting your own startup for anybody listening clearly outline what's gonna happen in the worst case scenario that the team falls apart 
because that's one of the things that we didn't do we were assuming that we're all that all was well we were all going to continue working on this um we were all going to have time and that we were all going to stay as one team and that obviously didn't happen and what happened what ended up happening was two of the other team members um uh just didn't have the same motivation that we did at that point and the other two team members they were basically at one point was we're going to take all the work that was ours quote unquote ours and they were just and that they were just going to leave so what we had ended up doing at that point was i had to also be sneaky just like there were so they were like we're going to take all the videos that we created which was they were tasked with creating a majority of the videos while Kunal and I worked on setting up the interviews working on the drone kit everything like that so a lot of our intellectual property was taken away by the other group members and that was some of the problems that we ran into so whenever you're working on a team with entrepreneurs you need to clearly identify what's going to happen in the case that the team doesn't fall apart or somebody wants to leave or stuff like that because what ended up happening was Kunal and I had to sit down and redo all of the videos that were technically ours they were Comet's property but people were just running away with them because they didn't want to focus on the venture anymore that's one of the things I would recommend doing is I was like something that Kunal and I both learned was that you need to put you need a set in stone whose is what because in the end the whole team can fall apart within a couple of weeks which is what happened to us and that's a really important part of being entrepreneur is always thinking about the worst situation not in terms of your financials not in terms of your um equity or anything like that it's all in terms of the team that you're working with and one of the clear examples of this was um i was watching we were watching a movie in entre- in entrepreneurship class this past week and it was sort of about the starting of all the silicon valley companies so apple um there was apple there was cisco and more importantly cisco there was this lady who was one of the co-founders of cisco and being the only lady in a time where it's 1980 some of the gender norms are still there where a woman isn't really supposed to have a very high position in a company and that was kind of the gender norms that were set back then so what she had to do was she was overcompensating for herself by being really hard on her employees being really hard on getting getting the deadlines done and being really mean and what happened in the end was all the vps in the company basically said we're not going to work if she we're just we're going we're all going to quit if she doesn't get fired so it's all about ensuring that you know what's yours because she got fired and retired when she was only 35 so that was just a long way of saying make sure that you know what's yours and that you talk with your team ahead of time even if it's a little bit awkward because there will be a time where you reach conflict and you don't want it to reach a pinnacle where the whole company is put at risk because of some people just not wanting to commit to it Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, in the position that we were, we didn't really have, you know, completely set in stone roles as to who was who and who had um, you know, property and who had ownership over what. Um, so definitely um, you know, I recommend like creating like a fail-safe route. You know, if things go bad, you know, people need to know who has what. So, you know, someone who doesn't have like someone who has like, you know, um malicious intentions doesn't just take away and run away with everything. You know, people have access to what they made. Um so and then you know everyone can leave on on happy terms. Um but yeah, totally I agree with Nathan. Okay. Um speaking of intellectual property, I think one of the biggest intellectual property possessions that a company has is their website because the unique design of their website uh can really make or break a consumer's perception of them. If I go on to uh let's say some sort of company's uh website and it's super hard to navigate, for example, my dad was complaining about the Indian government's website 
the other day of and how it's all how it's always down when whenever he's trying to you know apply for any sort of OCI or anything that that can really make a consumer angry so having a you know quick effective website that whenever you press a button or submit a form it, it it's it's really responsive or uh just in general when you're looking at it it's aesthetically pleasing is very very important because it's the first line a consumer sees it's the home page of the first thing a consumer sees um so i i think comet's website is a good balance between you know how in school like teachers are always saying don't put too much like text on your slides focus on uh like images i think i think comet strikes a good balance of aesthetically pleasing but also informative at the same time right because you don't want too much on either scale so can you talk a little bit about how you chose the layout for your website and how you realized that like the format that you currently have is uh the uh best way to essentially organize the information yeah for sure so um i totally agree like websites are probably the most important thing for a startup um or any sort of organization in general when you have a clean looking you know um aesthetically pleasing website um it, it allows the consumer to want to spend more time on your website and want to learn more you know compared to a, a you know a, a bad looking website um they they just want to do what they want and you know get off of that um we went through many iterations of the comet website um we went through uh you know various hours of drafting um and we realized you know you know our theme um you know the font everything we we realized that okay we had, this was like the best possible thing we could have for each, each and every single one you know we included quotes uh we included an about about the team every single thing that was uh you know necessary on a website we did that and then we added our little own like you know uh, specific twist to it by you know putting our images on there you know putting the font that we preferred on there um and we uh i sent the website i'm not sure if others did this but i sent the website to like you know my family and then they sent it to their friends so they could get a non-biased response um and they said the website was good and they they liked it and they wanted they would spend more time on it um and then i sent it to my friends friends again to get a non-biased response and then you know they said they majority of them said they liked it um and then you know they would spend more time on it um some of them gave some feedback um and we incorporated that feedback into the website um you know sort of to optimize it um but yeah we we sort of just went through you know hours of iterations um on the website to find out you know what was best uh what fit our theme the most um and you know what we should include what we shouldn't include uh, we included like the quotes of the people that we contacted um yeah so pretty much just went through hours of iterations of it then sort of went through the same sort of target market search sort of um asking people around you know what do you think of this uh do you like it or not and then you know what they don't like we fix that up um and what what they did like we kind of you know put an emphasis on that Okay, so I can ask the next question. I think that we really touched on the really important parts of the business, except the actual business model. So, Kunal, can you talk about? Can you talk to us a little bit about Comet's business model and why we specifically chose the business model that we did, and what were like the plus sides of of the model that we did choose? Okay, yeah. So essentially, Comet Drones is a platform that provides um, courses on you know the various aspects of drones uh whether it be regulations um government aspects um or like you know the integral insides of a drone like the arduino or or you know the wings or anything of that um it combines courses on that with an actual drone kit that um provides a very plug and play um very easy creation of a drone 
um, that you know sort of goes um, hand in hand with the courses. Um, we realized this uh, business model uh, was effective um, when we were doing our uh, market research. So um, most of the companies that you know sort of touched on drones were either you know teaching how to fly a drone or um, you know teaching how to build a drone. It was never anything that synthesized both. Um, the, you know, the many tutorials out there that sort of talked about how to build a drone were, you know, lackluster or, um, you know, low in detail. So we wanted to provide something that was, you know, easier for the younger groups, high in detail and also educational on the side, you know, which came in with you know, the drone regulations, the career prospects, you know, um, you know, how STEM and how drones sort of coincide. So we combined the education factor, you know, the fun factor of a drone um, and, you know, the building factor of a drone, all, all you know, three in one in a way. Um, in, in, into one thing, which was comic drones. Uh, if you have anything to add on it, then you can go ahead and say that also. Yeah, so the way that we kind of pitched our idea was there's three separate groups. There's the pre-built drones, which are like your normal drones that you can buy for like maybe a thousand, like it ranges from 200 to $1,000. So they're big companies like DJI and Parrot. So that's like the first section. The second section is just drone courses on how to build a drone and such. But the problem with that is it's so specific to building a certain type of drone and the parts are so specific that it's really difficult to build a drone without having the hands-on experience with working with it. So that was the second group of people. So the people who have the uh, companies that have a course, but don't have the drone kit to go along with it. The third group of people was, if you go on Amazon and type in drone building kit, you'll be filled with thousands of different types of drone um, kits that you can find and those range from anywhere from like 220 to 450 dollars and the problem with that is that it's just the pieces that just like the arduino it's just the gyro scope that you need and everything like that it doesn't have any of the actual stuff that you need it doesn't come with the soldering skills obviously because you need to be able to solder which is why as Kanal was saying we went with the idea of combining both of the best worlds so essentially what we came out with was we will have a course that is built alongside with the drone kit that we're putting out. Within that course, we'll start off with how the, what a drone is, how exactly it works. We'll talk about the main parts of a drone. So go through the building aspects of a drone. Next, we'll go to what the important parts of coding a drone are. Along with that, we're gonna have the drone kit that they can use for each module of the course. And the best part is, we market it as, as plug and play drones. So the best part is with our drone kit, you don't have to solder. And soldering is not something that's very accessible to high schoolers because it's very dangerous and it's uh, high risk and stuff like that. Parents don't want to buy it, which is why we went with a plug and play approach. So that's what we basically took our business model. And this just goes to prove how important market research is. We went out and researched about all the different types of drone types that there were. There was once again, just the kit, just the course, or just the pre-built drone, which don't offer the educational value that our kit does. And that's how we basically marketed and came to our business model of having both the course and the drone kit together that can be sold for one price so that the person is following along as they build the drone and they can learn a lot more from that. Now- Yeah, to, uh, yeah. Okay, you can go to- Yeah, go for it, yeah. Yeah, totally, I, I agree with Nathan. Um, I like the insight that he provided um, even further. I, I remember um, soldering being our, our main um, concern uh, for you know, teens' accessibility to drones. Um, and you know, removing that factor and making it more a plug and play approach um, 
gave us a super super unique um uh, approach and not only drones um but the, the educational aspect to it too right they can focus more on you know the engineering behind it the stem behind it rather than uh focusing on you know the messy soldering um and the more dangerous aspects of of, of creating a drone but yeah thank yeah so last week we actually did a podcast about uh storytelling and the importance of establishing a narrative in your business where the consumer can kind of relate with you and your own story but also where uh you are talking about a problem that your target market can directly relate to now from my experience um i definitely know a lot of people who are interested in like don't drone photography but aren't able to you know go into that those specific fields because obviously as you said the cost of a drone is pretty expensive right it can be a thousand plus dollars especially if you're going for some of the more uh, advanced drones like dji so uh, could you all talk about a bit about how you approach storytelling and how you establish your own narrative um in order to kind of essentially relate to the customer and kind of get those like mirror neurons firing if you watch our last podcast you know about that um can you talk about about uh how you essentially talked uh, used your own experiences of not being able to find a drone kit for yourself uh and not being able to go into the drone market and how those sorts of experiences actually ended up leading you to uh, create the business yeah for sure so uh in any sort of presentation uh, i believe that you need to open up with a sort of narrative based uh thing like even in in college applications like in your essays um i opened up with a more majority of them i opened up with a you know an anecdote or a narrative or something that sort of would later relate to the general greater picture um it sort of <clears throat> grabs in the people you're speaking to um and makes them more interested you know it's a more unique aspect it's a more unique throw out um as to what you know you're doing so um many of us could you know relate to the to re you know relate to the anecdote that okay you know these you know drones are way too expensive um i don't have a drone because it's too expensive and then i can't build my own drone because i don't know how um and the youtube tutorials just don't they, they don't suffice so you know creating a narrative around that and you know a more personal story um you know like a something that starts like you know with i you know the, the pronoun i like building a story around that um it, it not only draws in people but it creates a very very personal um you know a very personal story as you know to your to your presentation um and it's unique it's something that they'll remember um and i think it's very very important and imperative to carry a narrative um around anything you're presenting or showing to someone uh if you want to add anything onto that then you can yeah so canal captured it perfectly just going out like the first thing that we said on the pitch script was i love i've been building drones since a very uh, young age we talked we used a lot of pronouns like i i i and the best part of doing that is you're basically presenting yourself with the idea that you're the best in this category and that nobody can do it better than you and one of the really um nice things that we worked on a team within our script was we started off with an anecdote as kunal said and the best part of that was it was storytelling and with storytelling you're able to get the reader in or the listener in and what we did at the end was we said that we're excited about the projects we made in such a short time and think that we're the right team to build this company 
as we have gone through the growing pains of having to build and code our own drones, and that we reiterated that this is what inspired to solve this problem, unlike other drone companies which don't resonate with the problem like we do. We made that really clear in the end. So the important part of storytelling, based off what uh, Mr. Erickson told us was, it's about looping it back together so that the listener or the reader or whoever, the watcher, whoever is watching is just saying, um, it's just everybody, it's just so that they get an idea that you know what you're doing and that you've kind of created a circle of your anecdote and start and ending with your um, credentials for it. So that was a long way of saying storytelling is really, really important. Like you said, and the way that we did it was through anecdotes and kind of giving some emotional um, experience to the to the um, VCs. So, Knoll, we finished off every podcast with our tips question, where essentially we want to give you a tip to future high school entrepreneurs or future youth entrepreneurs or anybody in our school or in the greater Bay Area, whoever watches our podcast is interested in starting their own company, but you know, they're a little bit hesitant at the same time, because obviously, as you guys mentioned earlier, it is a lot of work. So, um, Kunal, can you give some tips to um, some youth entrepreneurs who are rising up in our community? Yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> the number one thing I took away, which we've already mentioned, um, is to never be afraid to, to uh, ask people who are, um, you know, more, you know, older than you, right? Um, you know, ask people, ask industry professionals, you know, it, adults are way more eager to help high school students than you think they are. Um, you know, talking to them can give you great insight on what you want to do um, on your startup if they're in the same industry. Um, and they can give you really, really good information um, on, on the market. Um, and, you know, if your solution is viable or not. And, you know, be, not being afraid to ask them and, and being eager to talk to them is a very, very, very important principle um, in the ideation and you know, creation phase. Um, on a more general standpoint, um, I think being not being afraid to go out there and create your own thing um, and understanding that failure um, is likely going to happen at least once or twice in the initial phases, understanding that it is going to happen is, is also very, very important. Um, you know, using using failure as like an inhibiting factor to, you know, wanting to create something is, is not a great thing um, because you know, you have to understand, you know, failure is going to happen and you just have to use it as a stepping stone. Uh, you know, of course, you know, failure happened with us once when we had our, 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 you know, our financial app idea and it didn't work. We were stuck in a very, you know, we were in a very, you know, bad spot at that time. But, you know, we, we understood that, you know, we have to use failure as a stepping stone to the next, you know, the next idea, the next thing. You know, we had multiple little small failures within Comet Drones and the ideation process too, you know. Okay, this website domain doesn't work. We can't just give up and quit then. You know, we have to find another website domain. Okay, this Instagram strategy doesn't work. Okay, we have to do something else. You know, being able to pivot, you know, on the spot and understanding, okay, failure is not the end of the world um, is a very, very important principle in entrepreneurship. So I think that this was a great podcast because um, it kind of allowed us to kind of reiterate our ideas of starting a business and the growing pains that we've gone through from start to finish. So we talked about the incubator and everything like that. So thank you so much, Kunal, for your time. And thank you so much for everybody listening. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Yep. Thank you so much. That's our show for today. Now roll the credits. High School Not So Much a Musical is hosted by Ayush Agarwal, Nitin Jaladanki, and Rishi Sinha. Narration by Samhit Padala. Music from Louis Luang Relaxation Cafe, Tune Pocket, and Infraction. 
If you like the show, please recommend it to your friends and family. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.